0: So it was a dumb accident. So I'm rushing to get out of the out of Safeway because I had to go in today to grab some groceries. This guy in the parking lot zips by me. I don't think much of it, but because I'm trying to make sure I'm staying six feet away from people, I'm walking along the parking the the parking spots because for whatever reason, Safeway is fucking packed still. So he zips by me, slant, like slides into this parking spot. I'm not paying attention because I've got some fucking person to my left who's coughing, who's wearing a mask but has the mask below their nose, and completely defeating the purpose. So I'm really frustrated, and I'm walking hella fast. And the next thing I know, I just feel so much, like an incredible amount of pain in my head, and I'm knocked off my feet. Like my glasses got knocked off. I could not get up, and I ended up. The dude parked. Like seven or eight feet in front of me, and I didn't see him parking, so I slam head first into the uh, two by four, and you know I, I was like, "Oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine." I start walking home, and then I'm like, "Oh shit, my head is bleeding like profusely." So I've got a contusion on my right on my on the right part of my forehead and a mild concussion. So I'm not allowed to sleep
1: until like 2 p.m pacific Well, tomorrow. i mean no i mean so, you know what they say you, you, i don't sleep because sleep is the cousin of death but for you it's like it's literal it is it, 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 it a little fucked up how i can never be the sickest person on my own fucking show <laughs> you know you always gotta you always gotta always always stage me i
0: didn't do this on purpose like this is my 12th 11th or 12th concussion i think I had a, like five or six in high school. I had like four growing up playing football. I had another few after, college, after high school also playing football and hockey. So I'm just like, what's a little more CTE going to do? Uh, you well, know?
2: holy shit in the, in the <laughs> this just in, Ticketmaster just changes their policy and will no longer refund postponed shows.
3: Uh, yeah, that's just going to keep on trickling in now that they're yeah. going to start start easing people into the idea that this, this isn't going to change for a while.
2: But it's not even just that. It's the fact that Ticketmaster, which is the monopoly for putting together shows in large venues because they lobbied to be so paid people off to be so is now not even doing its job to protect the consumer which is why they said they needed to be a monopoly like you know pearl jam back in the 90s stopped using ticketmaster and basically ended their their I don't want to say career, but their corporate career because of Ticketmaster getting that monopoly. And now this just proves out their fucking point.
1: I want to say that the, the barefoot rights people have been warning us about Ticketmaster for a long time. It's true. (laughs)
2: You know, if if you listen to the
1: the barefoot rights podcast, the barefoot is legal podcast, shout out to the barefoot is legal podcast. Uh, You know, they're also part of the truth community like me. Uh, Like they, they talk a lot about how stadiums require you to wear shoes, despite the fact that like, you know, you're a consenting adult and we all know that allergies are a result of not having enough parasites, but not being exposed to enough parasites <laughs> as a youth. So these are brave, brave—I uh, was going to say pedonauts, like you know, like people who are blazing the trail for new, like foot-related shit. So pedonauts, uh pedophiles, whatever, whatever you want to call people who
2: love feet, podiatrists. Oh, wait, wait, wait! Holy shit! They removed that sentence from the Biden thing because the fucking campaign asked them to. Okay, so. Okay, let's yeah, yeah, let's let's get started. Let's let's wait, start the right, show. Wait, before one I was gonna say stop recording, but uh, you can edit this out. Uh, at one, some point, I want to talk about the postal service.
1: No, we'll we'll get into it. You can you can introduce it any point that you feel it's you know it's it's wonderful. We can't stop recording with this system. It, oh, just, okay. it keeps recording because we would have to start a whole new. It's it's, it's a whole thing. Right. But no, like it's it's wonderful to be back. You know, I said last time that we recorded that. Well, not last time. The time before that, I was on the men from coronavirus, aka COVID nineteen, aka the boomer remover. Uh, but I may have jumped the gun there. Because because I had a bit of a relapse, but it's good to be back now. As you can tell, uh, my lungs are absolutely clear. I am healthy. And I just want to say that my haters wanted me dead a little bit less than my immune system wanted me alive. And so like, that's their fault. I caught them slipping and it just is what it is. Uh, I will say I'll miss being able, look, I'll miss struggling to breathe as you know i have said many times on the show having an upper respiratory infection is like god doing breath play with you you know you wait you wait you wake up having trouble breathing and before you you know before you grab your inhaler you can uh you can easily just like squeeze out a, sh- a shifty one real quick you know get a get a quick one off while you're still wheezing and then like take your inhaler go back to sleep it's it's very efficient time efficient david Carradine would still be alive if he had an upper respiratory infection <laughs> as opposed to like an addiction to choking himself <laughs> while masturbating anyway w- welcome back to the discourse i am your host uh chad v aka zan jones aka Zana uh k word nana uh and Today we are be I'm being joined as always by my lovely round table of co-hosts Adair, Richard, and John. Anyway, you know what? Honestly, let, let's start before we talk about the, 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 you know, the events that have occurred since we've last recorded. You know, it, we're in the middle of a quarantine. A lot of people are bored. A lot of people are bored, which is why listening to this fucking show. I think that it'd be good if we, you know, we each suggest one piece of media that people can watch uh, in their downtime with their family that, like, we've enjoyed over the past week since we last recorded. You know, just, you know, basically what it is. Name it. Uh, maybe like a brief synopsis. Like who who's watched something interesting. Let's go first.
3: Uh, I'm gonna go first. Uh, I got two. Uh, I don't know if they're family friendly. Definitely not the first one, but I definitely recommend Money Heist. If you haven't seen it, Uh, I recommend uh, watching with uh, the subtitles in the original Spanish. if for no other reason than because of the the pronunciation of some of the words for me but like it's also just uh, a more authentic experience uh, the english uh, dubbing is all right but basically it's a uh, heist movie but with uh, kind of revolutionary undertones and uh, very dramatic and uh, started on public tv wasn't very popular and then exploded in popularity globally and uh, is starting to catch on more in the united states and then the other one is uh crip camp which is a documentary about uh disabled uh, uh people that were critical and forwarding the uh american or the ada and other political and it also is particularly about a summer camp from which it sprung and it's a great uh, great piece both on uh, netflix
0: can I just interject real quick? That always throws it, me. Yeah, back. That, it, it, that's it, that's yeah, why I definitely. can tell
3: nobody else is a
0: hood nigga. Because I'm just like, the blood in me is like, nah, we can't do all that. But a good movie recommendation, y'all should check out Parasite. It's the whole, I it's listening to horror movies on Hulu. I was like, man, it's ain't a horror movie. Nah, I was wrong. That shit's fire. Like, I'm not going to lie. Parasite. Deserved every Oscar it got, like that motherfucker. Yeah,
1: good. yeah. Way to go True. on the limb. If you haven't <laughs>
0: watched it. Way down the limb there. There with, with the, the first of all, nigga. I don't watch movies like you do they all these weird He's ass fucking corny ass don't 1970s oh,
2: tr- <laughs> w- trust
0: me, just, just because he out. has two
3: separate lifetime subscriptions <laughs> I was
0: going to say this nigga
1: live tweets a uh, fucking lifetime first, movies, first of all first of all, uh, people love when I do that second of all there is no hallmark <laughs> live stream service that I know of you would, you would be uh, a proud uh, member if it was <laughs> I definitely would, but they put a Hallmark <laughs> movies on the Lifetime a movie streaming service during Christmas. When, when, the only time people like Hallmark movies, like the old Christmas ones, all about Christmas and dogs, like like my you know my puppy advent calendar or some shit. And third of all, save you thinking that I watch weird movies until we get to my recommendation, because then you're gonna really see what I've been up to. So like, John, what what's, what's your uh, recommendation? We
2: watched Altered Carbon. Um, the books are better. The books really get into the class. All. Uh, System a lot more, and you know, but at the same time, it really does really play out into a dystopian future. What it would mean for the divide that we have in terms of wealth inequality, and you can kind of see it without necessarily being gritty in. It, it doesn't sugarcoat it. Doesn't gloss it. It absolutely, one hundred percent, says this is fucking bad. And it's one of the few instances on major networks or you know streaming service that I've seen that does that. That it was
1: uh, very good. So the movie I watched this week is a little uh, independent film that you may not have heard of. It's called Assassin Thirty Three A.D.
2: Oh God, um, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. So- I started that. <laughs> i finished it and let me tell you it also finished me so the for like for i hear a dare saying what the fuck the plot what got me uh the name didn't get me the name just sounded fucking stupid so i wasn't gonna watch it but then i saw the plot the plot of assassin 33 di I'm, I'm gonna go based on memory i'm not gonna read it off of imdb is that this essentially this physics grad student slash physicist scientist theoretical, working on a teleportation machine for a secret terrorist cell in the beginning he thinks it's just like an Arabian or uh, Middle Eastern businessman turns out it's a terrorist cell um, he accidentally invents time travel and then the terrorist in charge of the cell uses the time machine to go back in time to kill Jesus Christ to prevent Christ Christianity uh, in the name of Allah. So, you know, I don't know how familiar you are with Islam. I'm not super familiar with it. However, I do know that, uh, J- Jesus Christ is supposedly a prophet in the Quran, etc. And that comes up in the movie, totally hand waved. Uh, a lot of, a lot of great stuff happens. Um, they really, I want to say a lot of time travel movies decide to use time travel sparingly to decide to, you know, like be a little bit, I don't know if you call it like, uh, conservative with their use of time travel. This movie didn't go that way. Um, because like obviously time travel as a narrative device can be quite confusing this movie I would equate it to like it's if you mix like Primer with those Kevin Sorbo like I am not dead or God is not dead like Christian like shaming movies it's basically that at some point I want to say there was like five or six versions of the main protagonist running around through different time streams like interacting with each other it, it was very very hard to follow for a movie about uh essentially like uh, Muslims going back in time to assassinate jesus long story short great movie great for an irony watch probably my top movie of this week uh i'd say uh three thumbs up go check out assassins 33 ad i can't suggest you pay for it but you know like get a copy of it no matter how you how you get it and definitely have a shot so like that's like that that should keep you tied it over until the next episode comes out comes out god knows when um
0: <laughs> I hate you like I hate people that use Newton's notation for derivatives. Like, I really have a deep-seated hatred for you now. I just want you to know I that. didn't direct the movie. It's not my idea for a movie. Like, I didn't make it. The fact that I just heard you describe that dumbass, <laughs> like, I hate you
3: it's
1: like I fucking h you. you know how like time travel in fucking and the avengers uh time travel in avengers Endgame is used really stupidly and like it creates all these problems that are never really addressed because they just decide it doesn't matter this movie is is like the opposite it, it explains how it's going to create all these problems and it still doesn't ever address them instead people just fucking disintegrate when they cause too many paradoxes it's like okay well like that cleans itself up very very interesting movie I would say it's worth a watch. At some point, Jesus is speaking English, despite living in, I guess, Nazareth in the beginning of the, oh, I guess the beginning of the AD era. A lot of stuff. It's a very deep layered movie. Really restored my faith in the Bible and also the Quran. I guess. Uh, Again, that's not a hearing. We're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the. I would say relatively in timey apocalyptic sort of events that, have, <laughs> that have, have occurred over the past few weeks so i say this all the time but where should we start fellas
2: well it appears that some, the mainstream the day after bernie dropped out of the race joe biden's rape allegations were fucking covered finally and in covering them they decided that they were going to re- uh, edit the story after its publication at the behest of the Biden campaign because the Biden campaign was un, uh, unhappy with some of the wording in there, mainly the part where it says Biden has no history of sexual um, sexual assault or sexual allegations except for his history of touching women and uh, young girls and making them feel uncomfortable. And they removed that second part. <laughs> So let's take a step back wow. slightly because we
1: haven't even addressed since, But since it occurred, the new right. allegations against Joe Biden, well, it's not new anymore. Like the, the allegations specifically over a month by ago, Tara Reid, former Biden staffer over a month ago at this point. Well, this is well, so, the, that was so
2: sort of. Over so originally, she was I one of the like... women who came forward and said that Joe Biden touched her inappropriately. And it was only about a little more than a month ago that she started saying that it was more than just like his normal normal sniffing of hair. And then she went on Katie Halper's show and described what happened, where she brought Joe Biden a gym bag in the hall of a little used corridor of the Senate. And Joe Biden pinned her up against the wall, digitally penetrated her, and then told her she was worth shit and made her smell his finger.
0: Uh, Shout out to Katie Halper, by the way, because she really has done a great job covering this story, whereas a lot of self-proclaimed feminists in American media. Amanda, whatever the fuck her last name is, that white bitch. Yeah. She, you know, people like her are going, well, this isn't actually a real case. Like, there's so many whole, like, all that bullshit. Tara Reid has come out, like, in the past, and so per Katie Halper, right, she, like, had come out to people, she had told people what happened, and she was explicitly retaliated against in that the next day she was removed from uh, her duties, and she worked for Biden, right, over over two years, from 92 to into 93, I believe it was. So it's you know she had come forward with us. she had told people it's been something that's been known about Joe Biden. Um, can they it takes a lot for her to come out publicly with this, but can we like let's let's be real? Are we surprised that the media buried the story to begin with, and then two that even when it did come to light, they absolutely gave the it, they falsified the report. They, they basically gave the Joe Biden campaign like whatever Joe Biden's campaign said happened. Is what they're going to run with.
2: Are we really surprised? Uh, by honestly, that? I don't even think that that's even the, the worst. The I think the worst was MSNBC's behavior last night when they covered the New York Times report. And then, as a sign off on the segment, the NF, uh, MSNBC host said, Yeah, but uh, keep in mind, Donald Trump is facing his own allegations as well. And then signed off from the segment. But there is also like
1: one intervening detail, too, which is that Tara Reid. Prior to going to Katie Halper, at some point, uh, you guys will have to, you know, you probably got, you guys are probably a little bit more uh, knowledgeable about the specific time. She went to the Times Up slash Me Too like organization right. to essentially get their support and going after Joe Biden because that's ostensibly what they do, and she was turned away again. Presumably, because it had to do with Joe Biden and the Times Up Me Too organization is, you know, and like their parent organizations are a little bit more cozy with the Democratic Party. It's not just
2: that. So, so Times Up is run mostly out of SDK Knickerbocker, which is one of the big law firms in Washington, D.C. Uh, Anita Dunn, and I can't remember the second woman's name. If anyone does, can help me out. Um, uh, Anita Dunn is the D in SDK Knickerbocker and she is one of Joe Biden's um, campaign managers one of his senior campaign managers and also the pro bono uh,
1: media person behind the Harvey Weinstein defense. damage control yes. defense yeah. Yeah. When, when his rape right back was exactly right. yeah, this, has
2: been, this has been a, a very, very well anyway so SDK Knickerbocker um, told Time's Up that they could not represent Tara Reid because Joe Biden was running for a public office and therefore it's illegal for them as a non-profit to represent Tara Reid because of that now multiple lawyers have come forward and said that's fucking bullshit um and so it it really sounds like sdk knickerbocker anita dunn and again forgive me for not remembering the second woman's name she's high up in the campaign as well Um, basically told time's up yeah don't don't touch this with a 10-foot pole and time's up agreed and um, Melissa milano is on the board of time's up i believe and has been a, a huge supporter of time's up and And she never mentioned Tara Reid, despite the fact that people were bringing up immediately the day of Katie Halpert's interview, texting her, saying, hey, look, you're part of Time's Up. Maybe you can do something about having Time's Up represent Tara Reid. And it took about two weeks, and Alyssa Milano released a video saying this is why she couldn't support Tara Reid. And what's fucking amazing about that is Rose McGowan's response, which she's honestly the hero in this moment if we needed a celebrity hero, um, which I don't really think we do. I think Tara is the fucking hero. But Rose basically came out and said – backed up an interview that she did in 2010, I believe, where she said – Alyssa Milano is a fucking liar, a fake and a fraud. And if you can find that interview, you should really watch it because Alyssa Milano's husband is directly tied to the CAA, which is an agency that was feeding Weinstein women. And so Alyssa is complicit in this. And another little way that this is tied up is that the CAA is representing Joe Biden in all of his public appearances
1: well so i mean that's the, that's the aspect of it that i think that i find the most interesting because there are a lot of little pieces of this that we're gonna have to get into and you know and apologies if you don't get to all of them we obviously we're, we're backed up a little bit we're gonna try to record a little bit more frequently so we can get we can touch on all topics that we've missed but like i remember when the me too movement not first started because it's hard to pinpoint first start and we know that um ah, i forget the woman's name who first like used the accused the phrase of times up and etc but turkana burke is her name something like that it rather it I recall when Me Too first started and like, there were endless waves and waves and waves of like posts and articles from all across the political spectrum that were decrying it as going to lead to some kind of like militant gynarchy where like men are sentenced to prison for the very act of being, you know, of being accused of sexual misconduct by a woman, right? That was like the big moral panic that took, that took place when Me Too first came out. Like that was going to be what ended Me Too, like them going after the wrong guy or being too, overzealous or, you know, any number of things that, like, any number of, like, basically reactionary scaremonger. And in my head, you know, not to, I I don't want to say I was right or whatever, because this is less of an observation about Me Too specifically or time specifically, and more about, like, the nonprofit industrial complex and, like, liberalism more broadly, is that, like, you know, regardless of how good the impulse there was, the particular of our system and also liberalism meant that... In my opinion, this was always kind of where it was going to end up, or like end more or less, or become like invalidated by itself, or collapse under its own weight, depending on how you want to how you see what's happening. Which is that like a you know nonprofits despite what their ostensible goal is and like in social justice movement, like racial or prison industrial or whatever, the higher up you go with these kind of things, it's like they're trading, you know, they're trafficking and what gives them legitimacy is just like having access to elite power brokers, like elite institutions, money people uh, to, to raise funds for shit. And those people are always going to be entrenched in institutions that have, you know, that suffer from the same issues <laughs> that like they're trying to fight against. And so it's always going to be a balance, right? It's always going to be a balance there between like, like accomplishing your goal of representing women who otherwise would be abused by powerful figures or who were abused by powerful figures. And then like trying to ingratiate yourself with powerful figures who may or may not be abusing women or institutions that are, you know, staffed by a bunch of men who are abusing women who like, yeah, might ostensibly want to be part of your program, but like want to be exempted from that particular mindset. And also that you were going to have people like, you know, who are on theoretically the right side of the issue, like Amanda Marquette or whoever is like coming out and acknowledging these allegations but like sowing doubt about them, uh, you're gonna have like them, you're gonna have plenty of women who want to ingratiate themselves with the power structure just and who are gonna just like act as counter terror. or it's gonna say, well, I doubt this and so it's okay for you to you to doubt it as well even though the reason they doubt it is because they are trying to ingratiate themselves with power, if that makes sense. It was always gonna fall under the weight of like liberalism's demand for access to power and institutional legitimacy because like these institutions are built on sexism and like, again it just is what it is there
3: well, on top of that there's the kind of aspect of how these organizations and these groups in a variety of cases particularly when they're you know as you described act as basically catch and kill operations and as a kind of uh Uh, I don't know, a substantiator in the allegations that they want to push forward and then use the allegations that they catch as essentially leverage against the politicians that then buy into them and sponsor them in order to divert uh, accountability. And like we see that with a variety of of these types of accountability organizations throughout history.
2: Yeah. And it's also interesting because that's like part of the theory Behind like what's going on with Epstein right now and what's happening with all the Epstein stuff is that a lot of it is catch and kill and using used by uh, Israeli government as well as our own government uh, basically blackmail anybody that got along um, involved with Epstein. So it's kind of like it's. I wouldn't put it past it because I believe that that is what happened with Epstein. So I wouldn't put it past SDK, Knickerbocker, Time's Up, or any of these other organizations to be doing exactly.
3: And I mean, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a, you know, a nefarious plot or anything. It becomes uh, like, it, uh, as I was mentioning, kind of bends to the liberal will in the sense that, like, people understand unspoken what they can and can't uh, kind of talk about or, you know, confront and address and, and deal with. And so, like, I mean, Alyssa and Milano probably had an initial reaction to when she first saw that and wanted to like say or do something, but then also knew that there's something else that has to be done. And so then you get a very tempered and, you know, a PR controlled statement that was still a flop. But, uh, you know, you get that instead of the kind of initial visceral reaction you would expect for hearing something like that. Well, that's kind of like how Emily's list works against universal health care.
1: I mean, in my opinion, I just, I think it's a great point, but also in my opinion, it's just like, you know, whether it's an active conspiracy, like everyone found out about this and then actively decided to like impede her ability to come out or to impede her ability or basically misinform her about what her legal rights were is, you know, kind of irrelevant when the actual outcome was that she felt as though she was not listened to. Right? Well, right?
0: But let's also real quick, look at what liberalism is, right? liberalism is an ide- is an ideology in that in american society excuse me is meant to inoculate you from the social ills that are typically perceived as being republican especially on in the coastal cities especially in these large labor havens we're talking like you know new york seattle la boston these big cities on the coast right like we white people in these areas tend to feel like if they are not actively republican if they say the right things if they are liberal then they cannot be racist they cannot be homophobic they cannot be misogynist right all of these different
3: things there's an eternalization of the less bad than trump is good enough
0: and that's exactly it right like this there is this, this idea that if you identify as a democrat or a liberal then you cannot do the things that you know people are tr- that uh, Trump is Trump has done, right? Even though that's not how the world works, and we know this. However, when we when confronted with you know contrary evidence, meant like much like anybody that believes in conspiracy theories, and Chad can speak to this with his flat earthers, right? If you present them with evidence saying, "Well, hey, here's how you're wrong," they're not going to accept that and move forward. They're going to double down on their current their previously. Hell believes these are strong core ideas about who they are as a person, and they equate their goodness with the goodness of people like Joe Biden. And so, if Joe Biden is bad, then they are bad, and liberalism is bad, and suddenly all the things that they call Republicans, they too are guilty of. And so, it'll never come up on the liberal populace. And I think that, oh no, I agree
1: too. with you, and I think. In order to counteract the like the fact that neoliberals when they took over the like center left parties or left parties and like basically removed all kinds of structural reforms except for the most mildest like uh corporate friendly corporate stamp approved ones uh, as, uh rather removed all those things that's their dominant form of arguing why why they're better than the Republicans all they had was like oh well if you are a Democrat you're not a Republican and like you therefore we act we act as an opposing side to them and you have all these positive characteristics by nature of just being us you don't have to worry about being a racist because you don't have to worry about being a sexist you don't have to worry about being whatever it prevents them from recognizing and at least in my opinion that they're guilty of perpetuating the exact same like sexist argument that they think that they're going against right or rather because they think that they can't perpetuate them where it's like yeah you might not actively think that joe biden is capable of being a rapist that's a problem and that's like so like there's that one layer like joe biden can't be a rapist because like he's a democrat democrats respect women then there's the second layer of it, which is just like, I don't think that I could be like perpetuating this stuff because I, you know, I'm a feminist and I'm a a Democrat, but then there's like the third layer of it too, which is that like, they're literally making the arguments that like, well, in this particular case, like women are so fungible within our system like the safety of women the guarantee that women have a right to be in the workplace and not be sexually assaulted or harassed and be virtue and have retribution against them is not as important as this one center guy within this organization within the system who if we don't give him what he wants it's like the whole like society collapses it's like but that you know that's foundational to sexism that's foundational to racism too it's like there's like there's this one guy in an institution like you know if we bring him down just because he you know he abuses black people or women or women or people overseas it's like that would hold cause the entire system to collapse and you know like they have been able to set joe biden up as that sort of patriarchal figure uh just because there exists a worse one in donald trump but i mean honestly like it, it's there were people out there at least when this first, this first dropped who were making the argument they're like well you know two rapes are less than three or less than four but i but they've abandoned that Like, thankfully most people have abandoned that now because like they realized how in embarrassing that is to say like like, like I, I feel like that was like an argument people were making explicitly now like for at least the first few like
2: days that I, yeah, but I, I mean that, that's arguments days. like you know I, I, I think it was Soledad Brian might have been making that argument actually but like th- that argument I see mostly from nobody's like I don't see anybody who's making that explicit argument like from either a mainstream media position or from the party position uh, I saw like You know, even Melissa Milano didn't make that argument. So I don't necessarily think that argument is core to the liberals' position. I think they were they were trying to treat it as if it didn't happen for as long as possible. And as soon as Bernie dropped out, they were like, "Oh shit, Trump's already mentioned this. Maybe we should say something about this." And you know, it's it's just so illuminating because part of the reason why I brought up Epstein is because it's just like. What happened with Amy Rohrbach and the hot mic at ABC, where she basically said, we fucking had this story. We had this story years ago, and we had all these people on record and everything. Well, in the New York Times, they said they have been talking to Tara Reid for a month. So did the Washington Post, and so did MSNBC. So here you have these people who were talking to her for a month, and the the only thing that they had to corroborate, corroborate was talking to five people and getting word from the campaign. So that's what? An afternoon's worth of phone calls? and they still don't fucking report on it like that's not that's not just you know a a nobody out there making the argument that two rapes are worse than one that's a, a major media organization protecting its fucking interests and like you said systemically you know we have a system that's perpetuating sexism to like you said prevent the system collapse because the one guy is absolutely necessary but in reality that's not what's happening what's happening is the same thing with why joe biden is the nominee which is you know if if we don't get joe biden to be the nominee what's going to happen is the democratic party structure is going to collapse because people are going to realize we're fucking frauds <laughs>
1: Oh no, you're hundred percent right there, 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 was, like, there was obviously, let me, don't, let me not be mistaken. Like there's, there was obviously a concerted effort amongst the elites, what everyone called the democratic party establishment, their line media to make sure that this story did not become quote unquote mainstream, did not see the light of day until they were ready for it. And by ready for it, that means Bernie dropped out and people did not have a choice, but either support the person who had less rapes or like, or be told that they're actually voting for the more rapists, which to me, you know, honestly, this is. going to become like a sensitive like this is obviously a very sensitive topic so we're not going to like make too many bad jokes but like in even being like trying to be sensitive about this it's just like for me this is this doesn't mean very much because i on a person like on a personal level to be honest i don't know where i'm going to land on voting for joe biden probably not going to do it but on a a professional level I, I, Yeah, I, I say probably, but it's going to be like 100 percent. I only say probably because I'm sketching out a little exemption there. Like even if I were personally going to vote for Joe Biden, I would not use this platform to advocate for that. That would be a personal decision that I would make personally based on my relationship and my life's trajectory with Democratic Party and like the things that Joe Biden has done, which I think a lot of people are going to do. You know, and that's what my other point was like, yeah, you have a, a lot of different ways people are grappling with Joe Biden and rape allegations. I mentioned one, which is like, I think honestly... I don't want to say it's the most courageous way, because it's obviously not the most courageous, but it's the most honest way. Like, it's it's people who are out there who are like, look, yeah, two rapes are less than four rapes, and he might be a rapist, but he is, like, a rapist who might theoretically be better on climate change, even if, like, his record doesn't bear to be true. His platform says this. It's like, that is honestly, like, what people are saying. It's like, if, if that's what people are saying, that's the logic there. At least they're being honest enough about the calculations that they're being forced to make by. Democratic Party and their line media. I think like John mentions, like the media people, specifically Democratic Party people specifically, they're savvy enough to understand that th- even if that's true and it's the calculation they want you to be making, they don't want to say that out loud. They don't want to be caught on Mike saying, like, yeah, Joe Biden might have raped two people, but Donald Trump raped six. It's like because because I think that and I'll be again clear, I go I'm going along here, but I'll be clear. It's like we've Always been here. It's like maybe not with rape, but like there's no difference between like he raped six people and he raped four. So I guess like the four people, the four person is uh, like morally superior in some sort of very weird math than there is. And I guess the same argument is like, well, Obama droned a thousand people, Trump droned 10,000 people. Like, so I guess the person who droned 1,000 people is like morally superior. He's the lesser evil if you're going to go with that metric. But like, I don't think most people vote that way either. I think like I think like I just mentioned most people are making a personal decision based on like their personal relationship with the Democratic Party. Some people are going to vote for no matter who it is. Some people were going to vote just because Bernie was going to be uh, the the nominee. And some people, I think a small minority, were okay with everything up until finding out that Joe Biden was a rapist and they're going to be turned off by this. And that's their right. I think from my perspective, I would say like, well, you know, it's shitty that he's a rapist, but, and I'm not going to say it's not surprising, but I don't know how much worse that makes me think of him because he's laundered so much violence through like procedure and legislation up until this point does it make him a worse person to also be like interpersonally violent i don't know that to be true but i know for a certain type of person it definitely makes it definitely makes him a worse person and so i'm curious as to like how those people are justifying this with their professed belief does that make any sense
0: i mean it does and here's the thing they're justifying it really simply. It's a conversation that I've seen happen. Uh, so I'm like, so those of people that watch this so regularly know this, right, but I'm privy to having friends that are fairly involved in the state level Democratic Party. I have friends that have voted for people that are gonna represent in the DNC, right and make the big party decisions, which is fucking stupid but i hear these people talking uh and i hear it actually a lot from people that were previously for warren or harris or who the fuck ever else we've roasted on this show their their argument is literally well you have to vote for a rapist anyway so you may as well vote for the one that's gonna try to give you you know x y or z thing that he's not actually going to try to give you that's how a lot of people are squaring this people are saying well they're basically treating it as 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 if they offset each other like this isn't football this is not two fouls a foul committed by each team they don't offset you don't get to erase right like you don't get to erase this from existence and act like it doesn't more like 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 voting is not a moral choice but to them it's not it's transactional It's a business thing. It is something that one does, and not something that you know really tells a bit about tells about who you are as an individual. And we also tend to see, I think, this kind of drawn along again income lines. Right? People that the more money you make, the more likely you are to be in the Democratic Party's pocket,
2: and the more likely you are to be a voter.
0: Period. Yeah, right. And so and with this, they don't they're not bothered by it. And what's frustrating is that we know there's going to be enough people that aren't bothered by it, that it's just going to continue to happen, Like people are going to vote for this. And I can already hear A litany of old people, you know, talking about. I mean, again, let's go back to Warren and that Warren pretended to be indigenous, took material gains and material benefits from actual women of color, and then white people and white women in particular were like, "Well, it's just fine. Like, it's it happened in the past, and that's
3: how people." Two things that I've noticed is uh, one, like Adair was mentioning, essentially, kind of people view this as though they're watching a sports contest and that there's two teams and one of them is going to win the contest and they want to root for the one that you know uh, is going to maybe you know whatever share their champagne afterwards or some shit but like and they're not it's it's not they don't care that the field that's being played on is made of people like and it, the other aspect that i've seen or the other way i've seen it kind of articulated is as john mentioned the trolley problem or trolley question which uh, i think uh, you've had uh, think you've said something about and to me it's just uh, people trying to absolve themselves from how the trolley and the tracks got there and then also like who's getting run over. But this whole thing is built on like just
2: obfuscation of what our political system has become. I mean, like you were saying earlier, Adair, it's, you know, you have this entire class of people who think that I'm a Democrat, so I can't be one of the bad people in our society. When in reality, I mean like I'm about to talk about the postal service and the reason why the postal service is completely fucked is because of a Democrat, you know? So it's like you are, You have a a child's understanding of what's happening in politics if you think the Democrats are the fucking good guys and if you think liberalism is a good ideology because you don't get that literally all of these power plays that the Democrats are fucking – even if you say, all right, I'm going to argue that based on – achieving the goals the democrats goals are literally better than the republicans well maybe but all right let's substantiate that they don't fucking achieve their goals because they don't actually exercise any power towards them so they're actually morally worse if you have some republicans who believe morally that their morality is based on a, a central belief that god helps those who help themselves let's say as you know they're like to put At least they use their power to actually achieve those goals. The Democrats don't, or at least they don't for their stated goals. So you can't even say that this makes you a good person by voting for the Democrats, even by your own fucking metrics. And if you use our metrics, the Democrats are fucking monsters as well. So it's just – it's complete and total fucking bullshit and just shows our entire electoral system is absolutely 100 percent a fucking lie. Well, I mean, people are
1: presented with a false binary choice, and I think that's the part that makes it it, it makes it easy to position the Democrats as the good guys. I think the savvier people, and it, this is where it comes down to like the layers. Like the savvier people position Democrats because they know who they're talking to as the lesser of two evils. They know that only like you know the, only the fucking rubes are going to be greased by like the the branding of the two parties. That's like oh, like there is there is a substantial part of the population that thinks that whatever the Republicans stand for, Democrats stand for like that opposite of because like that's what that's what the the structure of the of our system gives the allusion to. Like they think that because the Republicans are anti-gay marriage, Democrats have been historically pro-gay marriage. They think because the Republicans are racist, you know, even though like they pretend like they aren't, they think Democrats are good on race. And you know, Democrat Party promotes that like lie by, you know, hyper focusing and hyper elevating the most conservative of their people of color voters, just like the Republicans h- couldn't highlight their like their people of color in their party. Um where it becomes, I think, a little why they have a little bit of a a different opinion than you guys do. It's like, I don't think most people are making a moral choice. I think most people are making a personal choice. What I think makes people think that they're making a moral choice, at least the people who we talk about, is their disaffection. And by that, I mean, I think that you have a, a certain part of the population who are capable of framing their lack of material stakes personal material stakes in what is happening as some kind of objectivity that gives them a higher moral character than the people who they pretend as though are voting, you know, out of self-interest or without low information or whatever, like voting like selfishly.
2: I think 100% they're making a moral choice. They've just made it, like you said, personal because what they've done is they've said, my life is so busy, I'm outsourcing more morality to this like affable person who I believe when they say, this is what I'm going to do but the problem is is that they never internalized the 40 fucking years of lies that have been told by these same fucking people no
1: no what I mean by they're not making a more point I don't necessarily mean that there are no more implications to their choice I just mean that there's a certain part of like this people of the people who are voting who are saying yo I'm making this solely based on like Utilitarian morality, basically, versus like that. There, are, like that, it's that there are two thousand less bombings and and like then a thousand rather a thousand drone strikes are less than two thousand, and they they think that is like a sign of their like objective moral character. When for me, it's like no, that's a sign of your personal disaffection that you have sort of spun that you've given like a new kind of criteria to that you think makes it seem very very you know like morally righteous to like to essentially only consign a thousand people to die. People People confront me with the trolley problem all the time when I say it, I'm like, but the yeah, but the government or rather our society or our electoral system doesn't work like the trolley problem. In fact, the trolley problem is an obfuscation of how our political system works. And like there's a better sort of like intro level philosophy, like ethics issue or problem that illustrates it. And it's called the dollar auction. Have you heard the dollar auction? No. I didn't
0: take yes,
1: philosophy. Go for it. I'm
0: a mathematician, Chad. Not a no. But you'll, philosopher. You'll,
1: you'll appreciate the dollar auction. Do so you know the trolley problem? The trolley problem is that you know everyone knows the trolley problem. Like basically, you're at the switching station between a, and a train is coming, and tied to one side, one fork of the track is one person, and tied and tied to the other side of the fork of the track is five people. And currently, the train is going to go run over the five people, but if you pull the switch, it will only run over the one person. And therefore, by your action, you're able to save four people however if you don't in fact make any action th- you are you less morally capable because you didn't like play any role in choosing anyone to die the dollar auction uh, the scenario is like you have an auctioneer who's auctioning 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 off a dollar, and people are bidding on it. Insofar as that, like if you bid five cents, you're able to, you can win the dollar at five cents, and you'll have a ninety-five cents profit. So it's entirely rational to like to bid five cents, and then if someone bids ten cents, you'll have a profit of, of ninety cents totally rational decision to bid, to bid uh, 10 cents. However, in this particular auction, like any amount of money that you bid, just like a penny auction online, you lose that money even if you don't win. So like at the point in which you have bid five cents, you're already at a five cents loss. And the person above you is only at a 90 cents gain. So if you were to bid 15 cents, you 85 cents, you lose no money, you gain, you still, you're still at net gain. And this goes on, the, the, it continues to be the rational decision to continue to outbid your opponent, up until the point in which you get to the fact where you're now paying over the worth of a dollar for the right to lose less money on a dollar and the the whole purpose of so you go from like hey i'm only losing five cents to i'm only losing 10 cents but as opposed to losing a dollar and 10 cents not the best explanation of the dollar system but the larger point is to emphasize how like short-term rational decisions can often end with like irrational outcomes bidding another five cents it made sense in that particular short-term window but over the the length of time you found yourself spending way more money had you just stopped at any given point in time which would have been irrational so like that so that's more how our system
2: works right and that, And that, that is actually giving like more credence and more um Power to the people that don't vote. They're the most rational actors in this whole fucking thing. So many people I talk to say, no, it's all corrupt. Why would I vote? And it's like, well, they're the most rational actors by that metric.
1: But yeah, and that's why I mentioned why it's like a personal decision, not a moral decision people are making. Because like the people who are making it as though like they're, they're like sort of dispassionately judging like it's better to kill to 1,000, 2,000 people are only capable of saying that people got mad at me because they're not one of the 1,000 people. And so like, and it's like, and people think that that's like a very complex thing to say i'm like no it's not really complex all i'm saying is that like by nature of how our system works and all of the austerity and institutional violence that never gets rolled back and all of the things like katrina and flint michigan and and hurricane sandy and hurricane michael and hurricane and like the hurricane that fucking hit puerto rico and and, and sandy hook and all these things that have happened around the country not to mention like the widespread maldistribution of resources even shit now the 16 million people plus who are unemployed who the democratic party are are not going to come back into like in Congress to like to convene about because it's not a quote unquote emer- emergency they've been left behind by the party and a Joe Biden presidency by nature what it's offering right now doesn't seek to pull them forward into the future with everyone else it's just promising to not make things worse for an arbitrage. It's, it's promising not to make things worse by an arbitrary amount by only making things worse by a slightly less amount, and to pull a certain amount of people back from the edge. I mentioned the, the I mentioned the the uh the dollar auction because my observation is like, well, every time we do this, every time we do this, the same dance. Less and less people are being brought back from the edge, and you're never allowed to comment on the fact that less people are being brought back from the edge because theoretically we're still bringing somebody back, and like it's that comparison that people get so focused on. Like there, yeah, one thousand's less than two thousand. Like yeah, but of course it will be, but soon it'll be. Fifteen hundreds less than two thousand five hundred, and then two thousands less than three thousand, and more and more people become paired off there in a way that leads to less support overall for the system and Democratic Party.
3: Part of the like problem in the early stages of the trolley problem was like the the one person on the track was supposed to be your kid or like somebody you value, and when you drop that aspect from the the moral quandary, then it it brings less of the kind of the consequences and brings takes away that aspect of. Well, you know, it's like if if the switch when you threw the switch, if it also threw you onto the lesser populated track, would you still throw the switch? And it's like if you're making a personal decision, then you're probably not going to throw that switch and you're just going to to just not act. Whereas if you're making a moral decision, you're going to flip the switch anyway and throw yourself in front of the tracks. And liberals want the the moral superiority of thinking that they're willing to throw themselves on the track without actually having those kinds of consequences. And Donald Trump versus Joe Biden is kind of uh, a manifestation of that. Well, Go here's ahead. the thing about
0: american morality american morality is entirely performative <laughs> like let's be let's be entirely honest when we talk about especially the american electorate the american electorate wants to be perceived as the good guy and the america like the I, american exception we were is all taught so, that
3: like we were like we the here the you know john wayne's a hero he's not a genocidal murderer you know like
0: <laughs> it's so ingrained in the american psyche And I think you see that in particular with the Democratic Party and Democratic voters, you see it with Bernie Sanders in suspending his campaign and endorsing Joe Biden. Right. There is morality is relative. To for Democrats, to who the Republican at the time is right. George uh, Bill Clinton ran on a tough on crime policy. Joe Biden was a segregationist, right? Joe Biden was a segregationist who ad- claimed to represent the Southern state, Delaware, and you know praised the segregationist South, like he had no problem with these things, <clears throat> and it was considered acceptable at the time, and it's considered acceptable now for different reasons, right? At the time. People made excuses for him. Like they you know, would, uh, for and I wasn't around at the time, so I can't, you know say what excuse was what or why. But I can say that nowadays, people are like, well, that's in the past, right? That's in the past. It doesn't matter that he thought that he was one of the uh, primary people on the crime bill. But that is because they took a moral stance on what they perceived to be crime. Right. And in American culture, crime is blackness. Crime is people is black and brown people. It's indigenous people. Crime is this amorphous figure that consistently changes in order. To help prop up media, white mediocrity in order to prop up this capitalist system, right? And we know this. But nowadays, you'll have white voters be like, well, you know, I, I don't like that it happened uh, now, but I can still support Joe Biden. And the only reason you can support Joe Biden is because it's not something that directly affects you. And it never will directly affect you, you know, in the way that it has decimated, in particular, black communities, right? Because we are expendable we are we are not this we are second class citizens to this day you know we still systemic oppression is never going to go away and and so the reason that trump is an issue for so many liberal voters and part of the reason why they're able to give joe biden a pass is because trump is making them feel like they are now Becoming a targeted group, it, it, like I, and I said this before, they feel like capitalism is working against the wrong people, and they, and by that, they, they mean themselves. They feel they are the wrong group. To that capitalism should work for them as opposed to against them. Well, and he
3: themselves. knows you're out And you can tell your mom. And when and you. <laughs> <working everybody. laughs> I, I think that there
2: are, I think there's a large portion of the population um, in this country who doesn't think about these things. I think there's a large portion of the population in this country that just doesn't fucking think. I think we're the most ill-informed. I don't no, you, have to, think, do about do about it, have to think about You do have to think about it. Know because it. if you're living in a place, like if you're living in Idaho or you're living in Montana or you're living in places where there aren't any people of color and you're not seeing this systems of oppression built like in your daily life or if you're living in the suburbs and the only time that you drive into the city is when you go to your job and you have like uh, maybe a hundred and ten thousand dollars job which puts you in the top ten percent if not even the top eight percent for your family to live in the suburbs your family and you are probably not being confronted with this stuff and so Trump is a confrontation that they've never ever had before and they're seeing nakedly what America actually is because he's not couching it in in terms of, you know, um, we are the good guys, we're coming to the rescue like George Bush did, or like Obama, you know, we tortured some folks, and we're sorry about that. We're still the good guys. It's he's just saying flat out you know fuck we're just doing this because these aren't the these are the people we don't like and for a lot of people that confrontation of the system is why Trump becomes the thing that they have to beat rather than hey maybe we should change this fucking system it's no no it becomes a matter of electability the only democrat that we have to vote for and the reason we're voting democrats because with the good guys but the only democrat we have to vote for is whichever one is going to beat this guy that's it because this guy is the whole problem and so I, I do think that there are a large portion of the population that has never, ever, ever considered that their material position is guaranteed by their whiteness. I don't think that is the case for a lot of people.
3: <laughs> One of the things that comes to my mind on this is, in particular, I actually just uh, rewatched uh, I'm Not Your Negro uh, about Baldwin, uh, un- unfinished, unpublished uh, docu- kind of documentary about going back to the U.S. Uh, to see Malcolm Martin and Medgar just before they all died or were killed uh, and uh, it talks one of the lines that stu- just rang in my head when you were talking about that is, is like there's a wall in America and the there's people living on two sides of it and white people don't want to know what's going on over 100%. there. And it's like they don't know they don't know and they don't know because they don't want to know and we know they don't want to know because Baldwin was telling these people on national television fucking <laughs> like decades ago and somehow they still don't know at- and it's like the only way you can maintain that ignorance is Willfully. Right.
2: look at look at, the, look at the reaction of black lives matter i mean that was a systemic white reaction to make it blue lives matter and all lives matter like that that's, well, she, that's really is the not just racism the, so, like because obviously some of the people that are supporting that are fucking racist but like some of the people who are saying all lives matter were just trying to obfuscate the point and try and just not ever fucking confront it because that's their that's their life they're just racist without ever admitting it to themselves
0: but, and so here's, here's my counterpoint to that, both to what you're saying and even to uh, to a degree what, Bald, what Baldwin is arguing. It is impossible to not know of societal ills in your country in so much that white people, even if they don't necessarily claim to not know of the systemic abuses of black folks, they know enough to know that Black people are the enemy. They know enough to know that if they call the police, then the Black person that makes them uncomfortable in their neighborhood is going to be taken away in handcuffs at the very least, at worst, in a body bag.
3: This, know I, one, a, I was going to say one articulation of that is when you know the white person calls the cops on the innocent black person and then the cop doesn't doesn't do that right. in the rare instance exactly so they have So there is no I don't
2: know there you cannot actually know. and I think that that the, the way that you not know the way that you don't confront it is the same, part of the critique that we've made before which is the idea of the meritocracy we have so atomized everything
3: well I think a simple way and I, I think Brandon needs to get in here is that like, if you imagine if you've been at several of these switches throughout your life and you've run over thousands of people, you don't want to right. look back and realize that you shouldn't have thrown any of those switches. That That's a, a reconciliation that's not an easy one for anyone to make.
1: That's what makes the trolley problem uh, worse than, the, <laughs> worse than the, uh, the, the dollar auction, because the trolley problem tr- presents it as though it's a discrete set of that is context list right that it, but the where the dollar auction contextualizes it by a steady a steady, a steady series of escalating irrational choices
3: it speaks to a point you've made about it speaks to a point you made about the kind of how liberal ideology refreshes that like basically deletes their cookies every day and starts anew with like how they look at every situation continue
1: so i mean here's what i would say to your points about uh like where, where we're at with trump and the democrats and etc i think that what you've just described though at least a roundabout way is the central appeal of democrats though is that you don't have to do the work to be anti-racist, to be feminist, to be whatever. You can just like sign your name on your party affiliation with a D and you get all those things by just like essential quality. Right? And so like what, like what Trump represents for a lot of those people too. And it's you know it's always hard to get like an exact read of who we're talking about, but broadly speaking, it's like he's terrorizing a population that's not used to being terrorized. Like a set of centrist liberals who are, who are I wouldn't suggest. I don't know if they, they want to be oppressed. I used to think they wanted to be oppressed too. I just think they want to lecture people. And like, and I think that they see being oppressed as a vehicle by which you're allowed to lecture people without being, without being like dismissed offhand as being an asshole. And by, and I, I've reason I've come to that conclusion is because like, I think Matt Lech said it, it's like, you know, Biden's coalition of people who are for him online. It's like, they're like their coalition of managers who are just and like no workers. They're people who are upset that they can't just tell you what to do uh, as opposed to like just do something themselves. And so. I think that for a lot of those people, it's like Trump. Trump is terrorizing them, and what he's terrorizing them is what Adair is saying. He's terrorizing them with the knowledge that the system that props them up, that they're so comfortable with, actually leads to a lot of death and destruction. And and like and what and why they have been so, in my opinion, so like happy. I, I I think the word is happy. So happy about the kids in cages is because like the the, the fact that there are kids in cages, like there are literal concentration camps at the border, and that, and of of course they don't want to address how they got there. Like you know they don't want to address the foreign. Policy that the that the Clinton State State Department was exporting overseas to places like Guatemala and, and like in the Global South generally. They just want to talk about where we are now. It's like they like the fact that the kids are in cages because it lets them sort of moralize and lecture people who otherwise have been already left behind by a Democratic Party. It's like when I say when I say it, we're making a series of personal decisions about whether or not who we're we going to vote for. I would argue we all are. It's just that you have a certain level of like lecturing, moralizing Democrat who by nature they're just. Affection is allowed to pretend as though they're making like an objectively like lesser evil decision versus like well, actually this is how I empower my brand and my emotional component of Democratic Party and I have people in my mentions so I'm like okay well I'm telling you that for the person that you're bombing it does not matter if you drop less bombs generally because all they're going to be worried about is whether or not you're bombing them their family or their friends their entire village not whether or not you're bombing the village the village down the road and I have liberals in my mentions who are like oh no. Actually, if it were me, I'd be worried about it, whether you're bombing my neighbors too. It's like, you wouldn't be. I mean, not your neighbors, my, like, I'd be worried about whether you're bombing another place. Too. like, you wouldn't be. And like, and like, but they're allowed, like Adair said, to pretend that still they, they operate on such a higher morality just by nature of how comfortable they are under the status quo, which again is meant to reaffirm their, like, reaffirm their morality that deserve, why they deserve that comfort. But like, these are the same people. And this is why I don't believe them when they tell me that they would be voting, like, even if like the system didn't benefit them or whether if they felt the system didn't benefit them. Them, that they would be voting the, the, to spare other people. Because a lot of these are the same people who either were saying that the reason they didn't support Bernie Sanders was not because they disagreed with his policies uh, or like Medicare for all, or that children should have like free, should have insulin or whatever, was because people were mean to them. So at the, so like so these are the people who in their head at the same time that they think that they would be willing to sacrifice their lives to jump in front of a train to spare a indeterminate amount of other people randomly are also the same people who think it's justified to not vote or not support the candidate who wants to save the most people, just because it's of uh, just because like someone was mean to them online, they were being cyberbullied. But like that, like that right there speaks to like the level of disco of incoherence of their like of their self perception. Like they're both so good that they w- that they're willing to engage in self sacrifice, but also like if you're not nice to them, they're allowed to withhold their vote without any kind of even for the smallest interpersonal slight, without any kind of moral condemnation. And that's uh, that is honestly just a virtue of power and like the power that they have by being so ingrained with Democratic Party establishment, because for me, like for me saying that I'm not going to vote for Joe Biden because I feel like he's a shitty candidate who's probably not going to win anyway. So why even fucking bother with this shit? And I'm not inclined like for that. that's People say that it, that's me making a bad moral decision. But we never address like the moral culpability of the Democratic Party with putting shit in front of us. It's like it's, it's never there's never any real moral condemnation of them that ever sticks because we're not operating on morality actually we're talking about, we're talking about like getting shit done It's like the only people who think that this is like a moral question are people who don't have any real stakes here other than how they feel about this shit and, like, and that's the problem because they think oh everyone's just like like making a cold calculation about how many deaths are allowed it's like most, most people are just wondering how they can get by the next week without their jobs without like what, during a pandemic
3: but the and- naked betrayal of that is when the you know some six-figure uh liberal is like oh you're only not going to vote for joe biden because you're privileged and they're like well actually you you know, I'm like a ho- houseless person that, you know, is rationing their insulin or whatever, you know, and it's like, oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, they, well,
2: see, that's, see, that's why I said But like, that. then they she even still talk down to you, those people yeah, because like, there is no coherence to their worldview. There's no coherence to their morality. It's it's all. A, a facade to prevent them from actually uh, in looking at their own role in perpetuating the systems of oppression. They will, and, um, and, they and will
1: absolutely talk down. to if you tell a fucking liberal like who's making six figures in there, and they're mentioned that you can't afford insulin or food, they will talk down to you like ab like like you're fucking shit. If you tell them that like you right. that you have family, so you have personal in, choices. If, yeah, if you tell them that you have family in fucking Palestine and that the the, the fucking Biden foreign policy uh prescriptions means that those people are going to fucking starve and die because they. You're not gonna do anything. They'll talk down to you like it's like it's. they fucking. They'll lecture you like it's not. Or they'll a, walk away. They walk away. No, they won't walk away. They they feel fine lecturing you. If you talk about Biden's segregation, Biden's. That's why I said like not to be kind of callous or like blunt. But that's why I said like I think the rape allegation is a lot more revealing because like this is not me judging liberals by my own like institutional violence. Like geopolitics, foreign policy, and domestic policy aren't so discrete standards that you know makes me a leftist. This is me judging them by their own standards. This is me saying like hey, you're the ones who are like, believe women. Regardless of what I feel about like the white femininity being used to like oppress people of color or whatever, this is your, this is what you said mattered. And you can't even- Recently, like very recently. Very recently. Just a
2: couple of months ago, they wrote an entire article about Kavanaugh and uh, and Crystal Ball actually did a very good segment where she went line by line for the uh, article that came out of the New York Times yesterday about Tara Reid and compared it to the article about Kavanaugh, starting with the headline. And it's a complete 180 from where they were just six months ago.
1: Exactly, and that's and that's why I said and this is what was a tweet that I felt was very real. I was like, I was like, you know, like like last month they were like believe women, and now they're like kids in cages. We're gonna get these kids out of cages, and they made a one eighty on believe women. Like it was like the moment it implicated them, and it implicated like their class power and whatever. And like I have no reason to believe that they won't do the same thing with kids in cages. And the only reason I would believe them, this comes down to like just the general trust gap I have with the Democratic Party that you're not allowed to talk about, is because they never followed through with anything. Because like the moment it like it the moment moment it can't be used as some sort of symbolic boon over the Republican party, the moment like both parties are doing it, it just goes into a black box and it's no longer allowed to be a moral condemnation because like both parties are doing it. And so like, okay, well, they're both rapists. So like you can't say which one's worse or better, except unless you like literally coldly weigh out which one is worse or better, which is what makes the, but, but like because of the way our system works, you know, because of how much... I mean, rather because of sexual violence is prominence in the Democratic Party's kind of like, you know, zeitgeist. It's like it's it's harder and harder for them to do their normal lecturing because like that. I think sexual violence by nature of the way we talk about sexual violence in society, how it becomes a very like white woman centric thing It becomes a very like, you know, uh, celebrity centric thing. Sometimes at least the Me Too movement was which not to, it was which wasn't what to this detriment. Honestly, it was being part of the Democratic Party. Um, like it has much more legibility as like a central thing you can't go back on much like abortion rights that it's actually going to test people's who otherwise would not be bothered by democratic Party's wishy-washinesses i think it's going to test their mettle some of them are not going to even acknowledge it because they won't know some of them are going to some of them are going to start like making bullshit statements and some of them are going to like i i say like the people who are like yeah well two rapes are less than four rapes i'm like yeah that's where we are like, you know, at least you have the honesty to admit that that's what the logic of our system demands. And at least you have the honesty to admit that because that's where we always were. It just wasn't something that was so legible to like a part of the population who otherwise is so valuable to the Democratic Party, which is like this, like this, like model minority white woman who feels implicated by sexual violence. But at the same time, I watch a lot of Lifetime movies. they like, they'll throw each other on the fucking bus at the the drop of a hat too. Like it's not, so it's not surprising to me that they abandoned it so immediately. I think what is is... I'm still waiting for the other shooter drop and see how it like it rolls out in terms of like what the justification for like just suddenly we don't believe women is actually gonna be. Because what I've heard is that Tara Reed is a fucking Russian agent. I've heard that Tara Reed is like, if he, she's an agent of the fucking Kremlin. And to me, I think that's great. I think not nah, that's great. I mean, being an agent of the Kremlin would be great. But to me, I think that's great because it also not only does it show how fucking vacuous their believing women thing was, it was just like a way to, again, to score points in Republicans, not to actually care about, you know, sexual violence, at least not in the long term once it became uh not convenient but like it also reveals russiagate for what it actually was too and, Like it was a, it was a conspiracy theory it was a, it was a more it was a moral panic uh, but specifically a conspiracy theory meant to absolve the democrat the democratic party elite for failing to do everything that they said they were, they were capable of doing for their own ineptitude and on the supreme court joe biden must be good on it uh, Adair, are you alive i don't want you fucking falling asleep say something
0: That's the thing about it. And that's the argument that I'm getting, uh, at least in some of the people that I know, is well, the Supreme Court isn't, it's important. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who has agreed with Republican, the conservative justices, rather, I want to say something like 85, 86% of the time, you know. And they like to come down. They're like, well, okay. So again, you tell them like the reality of the situation is most Supreme Court cases are a rejected or b unanimous decisions. There's not a lot of disagreement amongst Supreme Court justices. And you absolutely occasionally get once in a once in a lifetime case. If if like the Supreme Court can be overturned by an act of Congress, and it would suggest that Congress is the most important body to work work towards, as opposed to hoping to stack the Supreme Court because what does it matter if we stack the Supreme Court if Congress is,
1: you know, 75% Republican? They're
0: going to overturn the any decision. Court argument is garbage, garbage but, it's but I'll let you guys get done on it first.
1: No, the Supreme Court argument fucking sucks. And if I was gonna be conspiratorial, Agreed. I would question why like Republicans always nominate like fucking fifty year olds or forty five year olds to the Supreme Court, like Kavanaugh or some shit, and why Democrats always nominate like fucking eighty year olds. Because that to me like strikes as like not thinking ahead and trying to always like be as precarious as fucking possible. It's like they love nominating older fucking judges. It's just like why don't you nominate a, like a twenty year old? Like nominate some, book. but it doesn't make a difference either. Because like the Supreme Court Clarence is Thomas just the illusion of word for, like 10 years. civil rights and my opinion.
2: Not a word. Not a word from the bench. Not a single fucking it's like the, like the word. like this about anything. Like, I mean, it's, I'm not saying he didn't speak up for for rights. He didn't say a fucking word for ten years. You know, if you're
1: at, still at a point, and the, the Supreme Court has like real implications for people, but like if you're at a point where like you're lecturing people for not for not realizing the stakes here I would could I would argue that like you have to look inwardly or self-reflect and realize that for a lot of people like their basic needs are not being met because the democratic party has failed to do their job and delivered and so like what you're asking them is like again like, going back to the trolley problem you're not asking them to take to, to take from a standpoint of like I'm standing at the switch and like I'm deciding from a point of safety who gets run over like whether it's one or five people you're asking them to like basically from uh, the standpoint of like this train is bearing down on me too or a different track and like I'm not even being given the option to switch out of it I'm dying no matter what now like and so don't but don't focus on myself focus on like trying to save other people who again down the line like someone else is going to be asked this exact same question and their point you know 10-15 years from now is like their decision is going to be even less meaningful just like because like the differences are going to be made smaller and smaller again you know like Joe Biden from my perspective he's a step back like I think you know to be frank one of the reasons why I won't vote for Joe Biden is because like It it would be enabling at least in my head like the most depressing mentality. Well, here, here's I've the ever thing about that backs like up your point. Like Joe Biden in 2016
2: like, uh, said we're going to push Medicare down to 55. Joe Biden saying 60 and saying that that's a a win for the left. Well, a for, for one thing, it's like Joe Biden will not be running this
1: country. I don't believe that Joe Biden is fully there. So a vote for Joe Biden, in my opinion, is a vote for a revolving door of special interests who just like who are going to be consistently fighting over having control over joe biden's presidency what well, that republicans mean,
3: like, thought trump was going to be but not as like stubborn and you know able to just resist new information <laughs>
1: absolutely like joe biden is joe biden is 100 percent going to be le- like less active than trump was he's going to be more of a mouthpiece than trump was he it's just it's already there like joe biden I- i've yet to see uh there are now like, now interviews that he's doing from his green screen the be- bat i mean green screen basement where basically just joe biden edd not MD uh my mistake as well uh is like just answering all the questions for him it's like just like just answering all the questions he's standing there fucking like smiling laughing like having a good time and and so like for me it's like I'm not even at that point I'm not even voting for Joe Biden I'm voting for an unknown shadow cabinet like I'm voting for an unknown shadow cabinet and B it's like it feels weird from my position as someone who doesn't like Elizabeth Warren now but who like sort of was like warm to her in the beginning to think that like I was so optimistic about the Democratic Party's vote, like liberal base, that they, like that they would consider Elizabeth Warren to be a fine compromise that we could work with, and like what I think the election of Joe Biden, the choice of Joe Biden, because I won't say election because like I I don't consider what happened to be legitimate for for I won't consider it to be legitimate. We have to get into we're going to get into the, the the post office stuff after I say this, but we'll get to the legitimacy another time. That's going to be a whole different shit. Um, like. I would consider Joe Biden actively to have been the worst option. It, that he was so bad, I think, that most people did not even consider him worth mentioning for a, a decent amount of the time. Because like, from my perspective, I was—I think that a lot of people thought it was gonna be Kamala Harris because they had, they had higher expectations of the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. And then like, I thought it might be Warren because I had even higher expectations of the Democratic Party. But like, to go for me, to go with Joe Biden is, Demonstrative demonstrative of like a base that is so used to losing and so feckless and so literally, I would say, just like conditioned helplessness by the Democratic Party that they can't even possibly imagine better things being possible anymore. Like all they know is that they don't want things to go be as worse ass fast, and they don't want to feel bad for how they, how bad things are, because you ask like how they're gonna justify to voters like and all these things. It's like because they but they really won't though. Like they don't have to justify to voters because like their voter they, their voting base as you know that their liberal base they're gonna just vote lockstep to get Trump out. That's, that's all they can even think of. It's all they can imagine. Mission accomplished. There. Everyone else like the independents, it's gonna be a mixed bag. Maybe he can win. Maybe he can't. But like I don't think they're doing themselves any favors by not trying to offer anybody anything but at the same time i think that the, like the, those who are in the know like i don't think i thinking back to 2016 it feels like most people like because of the rape allegations I would argue that people don't want to be caught lecturing people for like to vote for rapists if they say they're not going to vote for rapists like that's the kind of a dead pill to every conversation but like I don't think I've ever seen a ver- like, at least not 2016 like it seems like the biden supporters uh like uh, besides being smug about like supporting someone who they don't even seem to like or care about or stands for nothing that they stand for it's like they've basically skipped past the convincing part to already blaming like, they've already decided that he's gonna lose in their head they've accepted it because they losers and they don't plan on doing the work but like both and like so they, they just preemptively go into blaming. They're not, not going to even bother.
3: Trump's approval is higher than it was when he won his election like and it, it has been even through most of the worst parts of the Mueller and Ukraine scandals and all of that it's, it's most of that is only caused when the big headline hits it causes a sharp drop but then uh, usually rises back up uh, as they just kind of ride the same story but I wanted to go back to the Supreme Court for a minute just because that's an argument That I've seen used a lot And I just feel like it's totally absent Any sort of recognition of the reality That we're actually in In that, one, it's already a conservative court Like, they already have Yeah, it's already 5-4 conservative And so, like, even if, you know Biden's picked and then uh, uh, Ginsburg leaves uh, and has to be replaced. One, there's no certain, there's no guarantee that Biden's going to be able to replace, them, replace her. Like, Republicans might not just let that happen. And even if he does, you're still with a conservative court, and so perhaps they take up uh, an abortion case, and suddenly Roe v. Wade gets overturned. And it's like, really, this is where liberals struggle and it, it kind of encapsulates a lot of the issues that we've been talking about, is if they're on the line, if the people they know, the people they care about are on the line, line and it's between the system like recognition and uh you know subservience to the system and democracy and all those types of things or fighting for something like uh women's bodily autonomy they don't actually have an answer like they don't know what they're going to do if a conservative court under biden or trump overturns roe v wade other than hopefully win the next election and hope they can fix it the supreme like they they don't and they're not even willing to do things like like stuff the court where they could actually get enough justices on there to swing it their way like they're not willing to do any of the things. And, and in a lot of ways, it's what I'm imagining is one of those uh, truck pole things where there's like two trucks tied to each other, pulling each other, except Democrats are just holding on the brakes, thinking that that's somehow going to win.
1: so, so I mean, Despite the fact that the Supreme court, like theoretically makes up the crux of their argument, or maybe because the Supreme court makes up the crux of their argument for legitimacy, they don't actually treat it very strategically. It's like, if we're being honest, Ruth Bader Ginsburg should have just retired when Obama was president. It's like, like it's like, you know, when you have the, like, again, like, like it's a bad I- it's a bad idea that all of our civil rights are dependent on like the livelihoods of a handful of octogenarians in a very high stress position which is like why you would imagine that if they were seriously thinking critically about the Supreme Court a they would not have rolled over for McConnell and let him block them appointing Merrick Garland another moderate to like moderate right wing judge who might have been like also the, in his 60s <laughs> also in his 60s right you know they would they, they, they would have retired it would have been more about like securing securing a liberal majority on the court as opposed to the main maintaining another five years of her like legacy and branding rights and that makes you know, so what they can make notorious rbg but like they seem to get off like i said they, you know this is lynn's koreans the democratic party's brand viability they get off on like leaving us as precarious as possible so we don't have an opportunity like they're like the my issue with the supreme court maybe a little bit like I, it, it goes back to like the whole dollar auction versus trolley problem question. It's like there is no off ramp for this for this argument like the supreme court never gets less precarious it's it's never less precarious because they don't do anything to make it less precarious. So it's a thing that is always going to be around. So we have to organize around it. If you think about it, Rick, if we're being honest and not just being like just like being like uh overly optimistic, it's like th- we don't have any rights right now that like are not basically a coin flip away from being taken away by like the Republican winning like, four, after four years of neoliberal austerity, like alienating uh, more communities that need to vote for Democrats. Like we know Flint, Michigan might go like might go Republican or like Detroit might go like Detroit might not turn out because the Democrats have done nothing to improve the lives of people there, right? Like and those people again like they're not like you can complain about Bernie or Buster's online all you want, but those people, like the people who like the Republicans actually need the. Need, I'm sorry, people that like the people that Biden actually needs to meet, they're not reading the New York Times, they're not on Twitter, like they're not Bernie or Buster's as a self-actualized identity, they're people who were motivated by the belief that Bernie was an anti-establishment candidate who might actually change up the idea of like, well, we, we go out and vote every four years, or we don't vote, but whether we vote or we don't vote, there's no Meaningful, there's no meaningful impact on our material conditions. So why would we bother to miss a days of work? It's like they like those people are not going to be moved by shaming because they're not dumb enough to think that this is a moral decision. This is a, it's a personal decision. It's a personal decision for everybody. It's a personal. Well, and their damn
3: shaming is not even reaching them yeah. because they're it's fucking like, doing it on Twitter.
1: <laughs> but yeah, but they're not worried about reaching them. They're, they're worried about like having a preemptive excuse for why they've lost, despite the fact that they that they spent like at least if if they didn't spend the entire primary like actively promoting. Oh no, it's basically it's true. Like they spent the entire primary actively promoting that biden was the most electable choice even though that's not true and like even if he does win it's still not true right? And like it still doesn't make it true. So it, it's, what's frustrating there is that we don't actually have any civil rights. We just have the illusion of civil rights because I would argue that civil rights are, is in our infrastructure that I should be able to plan that will exist in four or five years, you know, regardless, regardless of who is president. And the fact that we've regressed so far that like, you can't say for sure that like, Hey, you know, the voting rights act was gutted, right? Like they gerrymander worse and worse. Every time Republicans are in office, like we can't even say for sure if we'll, have the right to vote in four years, depending on what the fuck happens, or November, and, or
3: yeah, Trump literally just it, just uh, w- hand waved away the EPA re- decades of regulations. Took decades for Democrats to fight for those, and like even though it's a Republican agency start with under Nixon, but uh, like decades worth of work, and he just wiped it away in in a in a with a signature. It's fucking ridiculous.
2: Not only did he hand wave away the the regulations, he was bragging. I think it was either today or yesterday. um Sorry, uh, my memory is a little shady. I started smoking pot again for the first time in almost 20 years. It's amazing. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, but so he mentioned that he he worked with deal with MBS and Putin and OPEC that they're going to bring back gas prices and they're going to save all these jobs. And what he basically did was he, he made it so that Like I had talked about, he made it so that fracking was going to be profitable or at least not as huge a fucking loss anymore by propping up and subsidizing the price of gas. And he bragged about this, knowing that full well, the current price of gas uh, of less than two dollars was the first time that that's happened in a very long period of time. And so now he's jump bumping the price back up to save The giant uh, corporations that actually provide the oil and he's bragging about it as if he did something to for the everyday American. And because our media is so fucking corrupt and bought by these same corporations, they're not going to mention what actually happened. And I, I just I find that whole thing so fucking just amazing. I just can't believe I'm watching it happen in real time
3: also saving them a bunch of money by allowing them to not have to worry about violating regulations and pollute more freely like (laughs) that's one of the most expensive parts of these things is is by having to adhere to these regulations and by waiving the regulations now they can do decades worth of damage in in weeks or months and and they can't be held accountable because they're basically in uh, a whatever, a, a free period where they're not going to be held accountable for the damages that they do, even if it, you know, lasts decades longer than this uh, this period of the regulations being gone. And, you know, maybe Biden comes back in and cracks down. It's, it's already too late. The damage is done. And the other thing, one of the – of- Right, methane – Methane
2: from fracking is so much worse than the actual burning of fossil fuels.
3: And just quickly on that point, I just like one of the reasons why this argument is becoming more crystallized now is because uh, the their consequ- we can see the end line now. We like before, you know, it's like less damage. You can make the damage mitigation argument because there was no you couldn't see where the damage became irreparable in and. In, in, too far to to redeem and where it put everybody on the line whereas climate change with the less than a decade uh timeline we know it's like if we screw this up it it's like covid but we also have a relevant example is like if we screw up now the consequences when we feel the consequences we'll be feeling consequences for decisions we made decade ago and like we're in that right now and it's like we're right now instead of you know social distancing or in in for climate it would be this type of of, you know dramatic reduction in our capitalist empires uh, like we're trying to ramp them back up and basically just trying to respread the the problem and it, it, we can see we have these examples we know that the, how this works where there's this delayed consequences and it, at least some people are waking up to that. I think that's part of why it's also hard to reconcile unless I just wanted to make one more point about the, the Reid thing is that who's Reid supposed to vote for like and Democrats don't have an answer for that like i've it, i've seen someone saying that she should vote for joe biden
0: well real, real quick i just want to point out cuz we're talking about climate change the scientific community has known about this since like the 19 has has known about this even prior to the 1970s and 1980s it was actually remarked uh by i want to say it was a swedish or finnish um chemist that the burning of coal would accelerate the heating of the United, of the earth and that it would actually make uh scandinavian winters more more tolerable this is in like fuck right like, right around the time of the industrial revolution right like once we really started burning coal and like trains and shit so no, we've known about
1: this for they decades were, they were, uh, there are articles too. about like the effect of burning carbon or carbon emissions in the atmosphere uh, affecting climate overall for about a hundred years now like obviously the science going back that far I think it was an, an article in like not, I not say wired but basically like a science magazine that people point to like a clip that essentially says what it says like that people recognizing that like w- that winter were becoming more temperate in places that were polluting more for essentially like a hundred years at this point. Just, I mean, just to, since we're talking about climate change for a second, just to go back to what uh, John and Richard were saying real quick. It's like, yeah, but I think built into rather what makes our... Our current, like essentially like dysfunctional, like vaguely uh, our dysfunctional system that is basically just like uh ping-ponging between like fascism and neoliberalism like every four to eight years. So like oh, the only thing that keeps it like appearing functional is it's child it's little childish mentalities, like okay, well, you know, making quick, fast, short-term rational decisions, even if they lead you to irrational like endpoints, right? Like stuff like that. But also, like, you know, built into that, built into that rationality, or rather that pseudo-rationality, because like it's rational in the sense that it makes sense at the time but like obviously the more compounds like it makes less and less sense even as it appears to continue to make sense is like is an overabundance of faith in time which is the idea that okay well if we vote for biden now in four years or eight years we can have a real progressive challenger but we know i mean honestly if we're going to like actually just like talk about possibilities we know that 48 years of more austerity and more of institutional violence going unabated it's just going to leave more and more communities with less impetus to vote for a democrat in the future
3: and we- Know that Martin Luther King was sitting in a jail cell already tired of that argument. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: We've been at this for a long time, but like, what that arg- what that faith in time does it, it prevents a uh, an acknowledgement of like the fact that like I mentioned, whether it's civil rights or pandemics or natural uh, natural disasters or natural catastrophes or natural occurrences that have the potential to be either or or I mean both rather, um, is that like that like that like faith in time in that sense forgets that a some Certain things have, like, endpoints or, like, points of no return, where it's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, you know, at a certain point, like, it's too late to write your novel. It is, just it is like, you get to your deathbed at some point, it's too late to write your novel, or it's too late to go back to school, or it's too late to, you know, uh, to fight the system or do X, Y, Z, like... Oh and also like it prevents you from being able to like say for sure you will have the things in place when you need them if there's an emergency. Like COVID nineteen. It's like okay, yeah, like we you know but what hap- what happens if this if this particular disaster happened not at the end of Trump's presidency but at the beginning? What if COVID nineteen happened at on like January or like January twenty second or twenty fifth, uh started getting bad like two thousand and sixteen instead of two thousand seventeen instead of like two thousand twenty what happens then it's like then we're just stuck with this shit for like with him for four years it's like you know our system is incredibly dysfunctional and precarious because it just but it just it relies on making very very irrational short-term decisions under the guise of pragmatism but at the moment you take a step back and start thinking about it, like a little bit more like a little bit less out of fear and like whoa well, you got to make a snap decision you realize that you're going down a very bad path <laughs> you're going a very bad path that you're not allowed to comment on because like the people who put that path who say it's the only path you're allowed to go down are always able to escape any moral culpability because they're just the power brokers it's like to they feel you know we're never like we gonna get sh- we're never gonna like see the New York Times like adequately shamed for lying about uh, the evidence against, uh supporting Tara Reid's or uh, Tara Reed's accusations or allegations uh, because like they don't operate like I said they don't operate as though this is a moral game they're playing they play this like they they play this as though like they're trying to do real power and negotiate real influence and not like they're trying to win like we're the good guy contest and now uh, you might ha- you might have people who work there who think that's what they're doing but like that. That's not what they're doing. Same with the, the Democrats, same with the Republicans at the highest level. They're, they're not concerned about like, the moral implications of what they're doing. They're concerned about the power and the influence. And the morality, the symbolism of it is for the rubes. <laughs> it's for the rubes who think that like you're playing games with... like. But yeah, please introduce us to the post office. Go ahead.
2: Well, one more one more thing about the climate change. I mean, like then speaking to all of this with the liberals, I mean, you know, I've said this a time again, my job is literally fighting sea level rise or was and so many liberals would talk about like the timetable as if it was like something that was mutable and that we can negotiate with. And they were like, no, 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 that's not really important. We can always fix that later. And it's like, no, motherfucker, I'm the guy you call to fix it and we cannot fix it later. We need to do this now. And if we don't do this now, we're going to be completely fucked. And when you talk to people about the numbers that are just just sea level rise, we're not talking about acidification of the oceans. We're not talking about the topsoil no longer being able to be utilized to grow crops. We're not talking about forest fires. We're not talking about any of the other massive things. Things that are going to come with climate change just sea level rise we're talking over a, a, maybe two billion people that are going to have to be relocated and if we can't handle a stay-at-home order how the fuck are we going to move two billion people It's just not going to And
3: just like they told you it was going to be two weeks and then a month and then a couple months. And now they're starting to say, yeah, we're not going to be able to really safely do this for six to 12 to 18 months till there's vaccine and or herd immunity. It's the same thing with climate change. They're just easing us into how fucking horrific the changes are going to have to be. And the longer we wait to do anything, the worse that they're going to have to be.
0: Right. And Joe Biden is then kicking the can. (laughs) Socialist countries did great with covid. (laughs) Socialist countries did great with COVID, the reality with climate change is they don't expect those people to survive. It's already islands in the uh, Pacific, in particular the South Pacific, then you've got like the Marshall Islands um, are already experiencing drastic effects where roads are just completely gone at high tide. The reality of the situation is America thinks that the people that are going to be affected by climate change primarily are expendable.
3: Yeah, so there, so there has already been cases of catastrophic ecological collapse. It's just outside of the United States and predominantly in or countries with non-white people. So we don't hear about it or nobody in the United States cares really. Well, like,
2: well we have some anyway. here. I mean, you look at the California wildfires and no one's really covering that. That was catastrophic. And we would had that for what, a week? And nobody tied that to climate change. Or even PG&E and capitalism. I mean,
1: people did tie to climate change, and I think that's the part where I— I mean, some people did, maybe not the mainstream media, but, like, I think that's what makes it, for my, my position, like, that's what makes it so— it's it's it makes what makes it rich that, like, liberals or, like, liberal uh, Democrat-aligned pundits and, like, just, like, the, the party rank-and-file who have been, like, kind of left untouched by, like, the rampant decay of our society and planet, like, want to lecture people. It's like, what do you say to somebody who, like, has been entirely, like, fucking— who their entire livelihood, whether it be in Hurricane Katrina— or like the many wildfires if they say yeah you know what like my main issue is climate change because that like that is the thing that like fucking destroyed my life it ruined it everything was fine it killed my wife I lost her in a fire I lost her in the, I lost my my wife of 10 years in the Hurricane Katrina and from my perspective neither the Democrats or Republicans are going to do anything about that and you then you go like oh well actually you know like with FEMA it's like I had to pay back FEMA you dumb you dumb asshole it's like well, they're not going to do anything for like you can't like that's that was my Point about the like a thousand versus two thousand not being meaningful to like that first thousand is that like you have so many stories like that of people yep. like and people and communities being left behind by democratic parties constantly playing to like the suburban mom, which I didn't mean like literally don't exist, but I mean I mean but in the the like sort of the metric of like if the left doesn't exist as a functional population that you need to win for an election, then then fucking suburban moms sure as fuck don't exist, <laughs> like, don't don't exist, <laughs> they don't exist as a real population.
3: So like, but, like Biden's. Tough it's, on crime landed me in a California jail where I was turned into slave labor to go fight these fires, or in New York where I've got to make hand sanitizer that I don't have access to, like in, sit in this or case. masks
2: for the guards who are guarding you.
3: <laughs> yeah, it, it's it like like you said, there's a million, there's millions of stories of people whose lives have been devastated horrifically by policies that, like, because Biden has <laughs> such a long uh, record it, that he was directly connected to, and in some cases bragged about.
1: And and that's my thing. It's like you know, for me, Biden, I think is. A non-starter, and, it, and that's what it, we said in the first episode when we talked about it, like Joe Biden. Like, no, it's like it's, it can't be him because it's just like he's such. Like, he is the besides Bloomberg, he is the worst they could have gone to. He they it shows it shows like they have no thought and no real interest in appealing to anybody. Like the own liberals who support don't seem to really like him. They just kind of they voted. I think many of them for who they thought everyone else was going to vote for, which is not really a sign of enthusiasm. It's a sign of like very good indoctrination nation like if you can convince people to support the person that you think they're going to support but like from my perspective it's like if they had gone for, for a kamala harris or a pete Buttigieg, someone who could like theoretically appeal to liberals on ideological like a sort of like surface level neoliberal bullshit yeah like yeah you know they like they went more of the fucking same if they had gone with like uh tom steyer or or an Inslee, who like at least at the very like the surface level spoke like spoke to a particular interest like climate change or even like ben if he was like, going to run entirely on gun reform, I'd be like, okay, like, you know what, that's fucking like single issue. It's kind of stupid but like you know what like it's it's something i think like biden is nothing biden is like biden is all the worst aspects of bill clinton hillary clinton and donald trump in one person
3: well and it's like, like kamala it, only locked up people in california and beto only like screwed over like uh, hispanic people in texas and like these people only like uh, exploited people in their regions and it's like biden has fucked over people on a national scale for decades international international yeah like <laughs> Me, I mean,
1: for me, it's not even Biden that the people the, – I mean, but people have, like, people have family overseas who are implicated by Biden and, like, the Obama administration drone yes, policy. Yes, absolutely. Like, who, who, are dir- who are directly impacted by that, who, like, yeah, like, you might feel like you never interact with them, but you certainly do. They're certainly thinking about that when they're voting, and maybe some of them decide to still vote for Biden, maybe some of them don't. But, like, I think that that calculation is something that, like, people don't want to make because it is – it implicates the morality of the Democratic Party because, like, what they decided was that they were, like, making all these concessions and sacrificing all these communities – for like pragmatism because they might lose to the far right otherwise or rather Republicans otherwise but like now that like they've piecemeal sold all of these communities off into like austerity like it, it's a hard sell it's like and uh, you can lecture me all you want about like why I personally shouldn't feel that way but like I'm not the person you need to convince really
3: it's like you know yeah you your system computer. already disenfranchised or made my vote fucking meaningless anyway <laughs> go ahead yeah, you, yeah. Should, you,
1: should, you should convince the people who live in Detroit who have been left like who have been left absolutely materially devastated by like decades of neoliberal policies, whether it be Republican or Democrat. And like you might ask them, like, well, do you think that it was better under Trump or Obama? They might say, I rightfully don't know.
2: It's just pretty like, soon you're going to be able to ask the 550,000 USPS employees that the Democrats are going to abandon.
3: Yeah, and, yeah, it's and, also, those, and also, the check that people are getting is a Trump check. It's not a Democrat check. But go on, continue.
1: Also, I mean, even be fair about the. I mean, the big thing that comes into play when people talk about the Supreme Court is abortion, because like that's the one again that like they can primarily center as affecting like white women, and which is, I mean, mm. it obviously affects all women and all men too. Affects everybody, right? But it's able to make that like white women the face of that. It's like, but to be fair, it's like abortion is is functionally legal in lots of parts of America. Like, like it's functionally inaccessible in a large parts of America already. Uh, rural healthcare generally is fucking shit, and Obama didn't fix that really. Like like, you know, like it's, it's easy to pretend like it's easy to pretend like, like, yeah, you don't want to make Roe v. Wade overturned, but it's like, what is the, like, what is the, the plan for combating the gerrymandering in like all these Southern states that make it, if not literally illegal, functionally illegal. It's like, because like, at, that's what you have to like really convince people of, that, that you're actually going to materially improve their lives because like you do have like this captive democratic voter base, either because like they're culturally Democrat and they just vote for whatever other metric you've, they've been indoctrinated to, or like they're just dis affected from like like the damage they've done but like that won't be enough
3: Well it's the pundit class is thinking well it's like if i need to get my abortion i'll just you know do it on my mexico trip or whatever you know and it's like uh, i was just uh, like for me it's like every issue every time somebody's something horrific happens everybody like people that pay attention to it wonder what the fuck's going on the dems tell us it's the republicans fault and then they're like, well, what about this Democrat that's doing it, too? And Republicans are worse. And it's like, well, what if I just think both of them are unacceptable? And then it's that's the system is like, so how do we change the system? Is we're right back to, well, it's the Republicans fault that we can't. And it's just a carousel for every issue, every time. And it's time to get the fuck off.
2: John can close this out. Smoking pot really helps a lot. That's that's going to be my final thought.
0: <laughs> Who could be the boss? Look up to the cross. stranded
3: in the land of the law Standing up on sideways. I'm blazing up the path, running on the highways of rap. Choked up by the smoke in the charcoal. Lava stamps and brands me like a
0: barcode. I'm dashing all the media strikes. I keep the media dikes. It's reinforcement for the fight. And not alone, I'll keep John on the phone. I'm tangled in the zone. I got the bees on the track. The cow let me hear your pigeons run your mouth now shut the fuck up i'm plugging in them social skills to keep my total bills over a million the last time i checked it Think-